millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Since 71 podcast. I'm really excited about this episode personally because I've got uh, some very special guests over from Australia um, that have kindly woken up at about between sort of 4 and 5 a.m. their time. So uh, well, Ben and I are just having our dinner or we're just finishing up our dinner. These guys are uh, waking up and it's still dark outside and thinking, right, what, what shall I have for breakfast? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with everything that's uh, going to happen with this episode. I'll, I'll put my hand up straight away from the very beginning of it that I don't, outside of Ben's match reports that he's been providing us, I don't know too much about what goes on in the W League in Australia. So I'm going to be using this as a bit of a an educational episode myself. So hopefully uh, a few of you will, uh, like me, learn a bit more about what's going on over in Australia. And um kind of wetting our appetite for next season. Um, so we've probably timed this one quite poorly, actually, because the season only, has only been about 20, finished for about 24 hours, so we might have a little time to wait. Um, so we, we just want to introduce everyone. So a voice that might be recognisable to uh, regular listeners is, um, is Ben Ben Gilby, who is the founder of Impetus uh, Women's Football website. Um, how are you doing, Ben? I'm good, thank you, Stu. Nice to hear from you again. Yeah, and it's nice to kind of sort of see see everyone's faces. I know lockdown's starting to ease over in the UK slightly, so we, we're starting to be a little bit more social. But I always uh, do enjoy the fact that I get to at least see some new people and talk about women's football because we're not getting that at the games at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I kind of relish all this. So um, over from Australia, we have uh, Chris and Kieran. Um, Chris, I'm reliably informed um, uh, by a baseball cap is a Sydney FC fan. How are you doing, Chris? Hi, how are you going, Stu? Yeah, Sydney FC fan and also uh, Wanderers fan. So, um, but really, to be honest, like a fan of all the all the teams. I mean, I live in Sydney, so I go to those matches um, because they're local and I can attend them easily. But massive fan of um, all the teams, really, and I just enjoy uh, watching the women's football. Um, not only the W League, but also in the WSL and the NWSL. So. Uh, I spend a lot of time watching women's football. So. Yeah, no, excellent. Do you get to watch much of the um, English football live or do you tend to watch it um, after the event? I uh, watch it live, actually. We've um, got a channel here, Optus Sport, and it shows all the WSL matches live and on demand. So um, most of them I watch live. I'm a bit of a night owl. I haven't actually been to bed because I do spend a lot of time <laughs> watching. So I'll go to bed after this uh, at about... It'll be five thirty in the morning, something like that, six o'clock. So, um, so, so what time? What time is it where you are right now? But just to uh, add perspective to our listeners, it's currently five to eight p.m. Okay, it's five to five. Five to five a.m. 
So, well, I I certainly appreciate it, and and the same for yourself, Kieran. It's um, it means a lot that you guys are willing to give up your time because you guys know much more about the subject than I. So, uh, yeah, thank you again. And um, so, so Kieran, obviously. Being a podcast, it's uh, not really the best visual aid, but I can see uh, your uh, Matilda's jersey in the background with Sam Kerr in the back and um, your Hayley Razzo shirt. So uh, a bit of a Hayley Razzo fan, I guess. Yeah, uh, she's been one of my favourite players for a really long time. I don't think anybody can say they've had an easy road in women's football, Mm -hmm. but she's had a really tough one, but she's always come through like unscathed and even better often. She's just a phenomenal player. I don't know if your listeners know, but she broke her back in a, a game in America a few years ago, about eight months out from the World Cup in 2019. And there were questions whether she could walk properly again, let alone play again, but she made it back and hit a goal with basically her first touch. And yeah, it's like her whole career is just phenomenal the way she plays. I just love it. And everyone likes a speedy winger too, I think, like someone who can tear down and send in crosses and score. She's just... Like, Definitely. And you're, you're a Melbourne City fan, fans. so um, has... has... Not Melbourne victory. victory. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, see, I'm, yeah. I'm really kind of showing. My, it, it really is an educational tool here. Please do pull me up, um, especially when it comes to pronunciations. That's right. Like, like, um, like Chris, I, I, I normally support Melbourne victory, but um, I think because of the size of the W League, you kind of want like all all ships to rise on the, on the same tide, sort of thing. So, if one team's doing really well, it's it's still fun to watch because they're all playing for the same national team, and people do change yeah. clubs, so you can't really bear grudges against players a lot. Yeah, if you hate one player one season, you can have a good place pretty quickly when they're fun. Do, do, do you tend to find that there's a lot of? Um, is there obviously we've been quite fortunate that a lot of the uh, Matildas have come over to the WSL this year, but prior to that, do, do they? Do the majority of the Matildas play locally within the Australian leagues? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, especially the season right before Sam Kerr left. So I think that was two seasons ago. Now lost a bit of track of time because of COVID. Pretty much the entire national team played here. About eight of them, six or eight of the starting 11 played for Melbourne City. So um, it made it pretty accessible for, for fans to be able to watch the national team play when the national team yeah. weren't playing, yeah. which is which is great as well. But, yeah, it's good they're moving on because after the World Cup, I think they really had to. And, you know, like this season, it's given people a lot of chance to step up in their absence. And Do you think it's through. all going to benefit the Matildas in the long run, having players uh, playing all over the world? Yeah, I think so. I think the the, the Germany game showed that um, uh, they need to be exposed to, to new opposition than what they've what they've been used to. But also, I think there was a benefit to them all playing sometimes together, like with Melbourne City and Brisbane Raw having a lot of Matildas in the same team. You know, when they even if they didn't have a national team game for months, when they met up, they were they'd been training together anyway and playing together every week anyway. So with the with the game, the loss, the five two loss to Germany, they hadn't played in about a year. It definitely showed, but it was unusual. Yeah, it's a little bit like the Lionesses um, defeat to France, and the grand scheme of things, it means very little. And it's probably quite good to actually get that defeat out of the way, and then you can kind of look at the mistakes and kind of start building from there. So I, I think very few of us are actually going to be paying any attention to that France result in the UK um, over the coming weeks and months. Um, and it's, hopefully it will set the players up for uh, a, a run at the Olympics and, um, yeah, get them back get them back used to playing mm. together a little bit more often. Because I know from England's perspective, they, it's the first com- 
real competitive game outside of the Northern Ireland game they've had in a year. So I don't think it's quite easy to underestimate how much of an impact that can have. And it's, like say, it's definitely going to be the same when you've got the Matildas spread far and wide. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think the other issue as well, though, is that despite the fact England haven't had competitive games, Australia haven't met up as a team for 13 months. So they haven't even come to any sort of environment whatsoever, whereas England have a couple of times. And also you throw into that, you know, there's a new head coach, Tony Gustafsson, who hasn't been able to have any contact with the players whatsoever other than Zoom since he got the job. So, you know, you throw that into the mix as well. And, you know, that Germany game and tomorrow night's game in Holland was always going to be one. And adding the restrictions as who they can even select as well. Yeah. It was always yeah. going to make those games incredibly yeah. tough. You've got to respect the fact that the Matildas have just gone all in with their opponents as well. There's no easing their way back in. They've not thought, oh, well, let's go try and play a, sort of a, a second or third tier national side. They've just gone, right, let's just go pay, play some World Cup favourites in uh, Holland and Germany. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's bold. But that was very deliberate, though. If you listen to what Tony Gustafsson said over the last couple of weeks, he's, you know, he's very clear that he, in order to be the best, you've got to not only play the best all the time, but you, but by doing that, you're going to learn to beat the best. And that's that's part of his, you know, he has this mantra, you know, of, you know, getting better every day. That's his that's his mantra. And that's what he's instilled with those girls right from the start. And it's shown in even in the fixtures that he's putting together, I think. So how do you, um, jump, feel free to any of you to jump in on this one. How do you guys feel that Matilda's are going to get on in the uh, Netherlands game? It's going to be much the same as the Germany game, to be honest. They might be able to tweak a few things. Um, and I imagine they'll, they'll look very closely. I mean, I think the defence was quite lacking. Um, I think we've got a very strong uh, attacking team with um, Sam Kerr, obviously, and Caitlin Bourne and um, Hayley Rasso, if she plays up, and, and uh, Emily Gilnick as well. But um, their defence is uh, not used to playing with each other as um, we're, I mean, we're missing our absolute two key defenders in um, Ellie Carpenter and Steph Catley um, from COVID and injury. Uh, and then there's a few other people, obviously that like midfield and stuff um, like um, Tamika Yallop that is in Australia still can't come. Um, so it, it's tricky. I, I can't see them really performing much better than what they did against um, Germany myself. But you never know. I mean, you know, if they can adjust a little bit based on what happened against Germany, um, you know, they might be able to get a few more goals. But, I, I, yeah, it's hard to see. Well, they're saying that, I mean, the Netherlands just got beaten. Oh, did they get beaten or was it a draw? But they did the Spain match. quite, yeah, quite as well against Spain either, did they? Yeah. So. Yeah, and as, as we say, everyone's building up to the Olympics, really. Yeah. So it's on the grand scheme of things. Get your poor performances out of the way early, and then build, start to build your momentum at a later date. That's that's what you really want. That's that's when it counts. Mm. So, go on. Now, I'm not too worried about how the scoreline goes. I'd just like to see them have better control yeah. of the midfield. Um, as long as it looks looks like they're not panicking as much, that's a step in the right direction. Um, they are unusually rushed in the midfield yeah. against Germany. Normally they're able to slow the game down to the pace they want it to, even against top-tier opposition like the US or Brazil. But in this game, they felt it looked like they hadn't yeah. played together for a while. But I think because a lot of this team has played together from a young age, 
it won't take them long to get back in the groove. So if there's a step in the right direction, that, that'll be enough to give me some confidence going to the Olympics. Well, let's look forward to uh, Matilda's versus Team GB match. Um, yeah, we'll have to get get you guys back on before that one. But um, just sort of moving on then. So the, the, the league format of the W League or the uh, the dub, as uh, I believe you call it, Ben? Yeah. Everything has it's a nickname in Australia. And everything has a nickname in Australia. And that nickname is always shortened further. <laughs> so it's a dub. Um, so the format is different to the WSL. Could you explain us how the league formats worked this year, uh, especially with regards to COVID? Well, in terms of the league schedule, that's it's only been different in terms of the season shifted a couple of months. Um, but effectively, you've got nine teams in the competition and each team plays 12 games in a regular season. So no, there is no home and away season and there never has been as long as the league has been in this format. Um, so therefore, in some respects, there's quite a bit of the luck of the draw in terms of who you play home and away because you don't play everybody home and away. You know, there was a situation earlier this season when Adelaide United played one of the Melbourne teams. I can't remember which one it was in Adelaide for the first time ever, which shows, you know, so you need a full home and away season, not just for a fair draw. You need a full home and away season because these players need to have more matches because it's not the finances don't stack up. You know, so you've got players that are, for example, Teresa Plyas at Sydney. She's a school teacher. And if you've got an away game, she's expected to travel, you know, up to six or seven hours on a plane for an away game. And in theory, be back at work the next day, which doesn't happen. And that can't happen until you have a full home and away season. And that needs to happen before you even think about expanding the league for 10, 11, 12 teams. So it's, it sounds like it's a relatively short season. Well, what are we, three months, four months? Well, we started the sky just before New Year's Day mm. and the grand yeah. final Monday. Really? That's short? And there's the, so they don't try and put... Is it, it's just literally a real short summer league. Yes. Yeah, it's a real sprint. It's almost like an extended tournament when you're, when you're, when you're living it. It just goes so quickly. So that would be why prior to Sam Kerr coming over to the, the UK, she was almost dual, dual signed over in the, the NWSL as well. Pretty much all the top players as well. And that's still the case for a lot of, cause a lot of the players, particularly the Matildas at Brisbane Raw, left to go to Scandinavia just before the final started, otherwise they'd miss the transfer window. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, can you see a scenario where they do introduce um, home and away games for every club? I think they're going to have to. Um, compromise draws are kind of a quirk of Australian sport in general. Like even our, our top, top national sport, the AFL, is... Um, uh, Aussie rules football. It's um, it's got a compromise draw where they 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 fixture it. Not everyone plays each other twice, um, because they fixture it to TV ratings, stadiums to be full. But the W League needs to really needs to have a full home and away season. Not only to keep the players here, but um, to keep them match fit. And um, yeah, it really does need to happen. There's, I don't think that you find anyone who goes to a game or watches watches the league that doesn't want it to be extended to full home and away. Also, just from a fan's point of view, we want to see them more regularly too. Because if you miss a game or miss two games because of scheduling conflicts or work or something, that could be your only chance to see them yeah. or your favourite player at home for the year. And then you got to wait literally another 12 months before you get that shot again. Um, I remember I was trying to get to 
one of the games to see Sam Kerr because I, everyone knew she was going to Europe. And like, I couldn't get to that game, and that meant the next time she came around in the season, it was either do or die. But, you know, if there was more with two Melbourne teams, there would have been four opportunities with a full home and away season. Um, yeah, for a lot of reasons it needs to happen to a full home and away season. So there's a, there's a footballer that I'm sort of a... I, I, let's... let's... Yeah, football that I'm kind of an, an acquaintance and friendly with um, over in the UK, uh, George Bridges. She played for a team, I believe, in the, the second tier of uh, the Australian League. Is it Appia Lightchart? Lightchart. What's the disparity between that top league and the uh, the leagues below? There, I mean, that's the NPL, which is the, um, yeah, it's the level just below the professional league. Um they play a much longer season. They actually play sort of through winter. Um, and it's a feeder uh, tournament to go into the dub, into the W League. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, APL Icart, um, she would have been playing there. In the, That's the New South Wales version. So there's what, it's a state-based league as well. <clears throat> so there's um, one in each state. And, and it's a much um, yeah, longer tournament, basically but not professional. So would that be similar to over in England where we've almost got the the first tier and the third tier? So that if would you expect most teams from that second level to struggle in the W League? There's no promotion and relegation, though. Yeah, exactly. But, but if they would, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> along the lines, if, they would, if, if there was an extension of the league to expand and bring some more teams in, are these teams anywhere near ready to compete at that level? Yeah, I think they are. So, some of them are. They certainly pull players up from the NPL when they need extra players for the WNE. For example, um, Tash Pryor came up for Sydney um, when they've lost Ellie Brush and she's she's played the last four games for Sydney and has slotted straight in and performed exceptionally well. So uh, it's a fairly similar stand. And a lot of the WNE players play in the NPL. Um, once they finish that season, they just then play through winter in the NPL. So the standard is fairly high, but yeah, there's no relegation or promotion as such or anything like that. So, and it's played at different times of the year. So, okay. So we also touched on earlier that um, Kieran's a Melbourne Victory fan and Chris is a Sydney FC fan. So, well, it would have been yesterday for ourselves. Um, so it's probably a couple of days for you guys. Um, you probably wouldn't have been talking to each other because your teams were representing the in the uh, the grand final for the W League. Um, Kieran, could you tell us a little bit about the game? But please don't be too smug. <laughs> it was an epic game. I, I don't think you could you could script it if you were trying to write like a Disney movie about a, about a football match. It would be unbelievable because not only was it like a playoff for the for the like the, the main trophy, the, the grand final, it was a rematch of two weeks before when the two teams met to decide who would finish top of the ladder. So the, they call it the, the Premier's plate. But So you have the rematch, you have the two best teams, the two most informed teams, the two teams least affected by players moving on or injury, except for Sydney had two key injuries, but that was early enough for them to be able to replace them. So it was just the, if you were going to have a final on paper, that would be the one that everyone would say would be the two best teams to face off the end of the season. And then the game itself was was one of those really strange games where both teams were trying to score, but neither could get that deadlock broken. And it lasted the full 90 minutes and all of extra time. 
right to the very last possible moment. And then even after that, there was one more chance for Sydney to get one. And it, like mm. on any other day, it might have dipped under. Yeah. It was like a long, almost halfway line shot. It's so, an incredible so for, game of football. For our listeners that um, aren't aware of the result, Ben, you're impartial. Could you uh, could you tell us uh, the result of the actual game? I mean, it was, I mean, as Kieran said, it was at, it was epic. It's probably one of the best games women's football you'll see all season. You know, two hours going at it, hammer and tongs, no goals, and pretty much literally the last kick of the game. Um, Melbourne victory get a corner that I think Chris may dispute possibly that was even a corner. Most of the Sydney players were, were pretty certain it wasn't a corner, but anyway. So up steps Kyra Cooney Cross, 19 years old, potentially the biggest next biggest thing in not just Australian football, but even world football, you could argue, um, the talent she's got. She takes a corner, vicious curl on it, straight in the goal, 1-0, final whistle, thank you very much. And how are you doing about that, Chris? Feeling about that, Chris? Oh, look, I'm coping. I'm coping. So it was, it, like, like everyone said, it was an epic game. Um, it was so close. I kind of feel like um, I was glad it actually had a result rather than having to go to PKs. So... Yeah. Um, that was sort of something because I think it was so even. I think Victory did play a little bit better. Um, they had certainly had more shots on goal. Um, but saying that the Sydney defence was absolutely epic. It's been the defence of the, the league. Um, they've had the least goals conceded um, throughout the season. Um, Jada Wyman had an incredible game. Like the saves that she was making was just incredible. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, it was it was very close. In the end, you know, literally that goal was in the last two seconds of the game, and um, you know, I mean, it was good to see a result. It was sad to see Sydney. Um, there was some debate about whether or not it should be in a corner. I couldn't actually. See, I was live at the ground. I couldn't actually see what was going on up there. I just sort of saw a corner. I know there was a lot of um, Sydney players throwing hands and. After it was scored, Tash Pryor went absolutely mental and she ended up getting a yellow card for yelling at the um, the ref about it and it was quite funny. But, um, but you know, like I said, it, it was a great game. It was a great season and I'm happy there was a result that was determined uh, on the field rather than by PK. So can't complain too much. So we got the premiership. Um, Victory got the championship. Seems fair. So... <laughs> so- Overall, would you say, Kieran, that Melbourne have been the best team? Um, I think they've been the best team when it mattered. Um, early on in the season, they looked they looked like they were. They smashed their local rivals six six nil. I think it was six nil, six one, or six nil. Anyway, they absolutely decimated Melbourne City um, in a league game. Then they lost the next game, but they weren't played off the park in it to Melbourne City again. The week after, they lost six two to. 6-0 again to Brisbane Raw, sorry. And uh, then people start to ask questions. All through this time, Sydney were just like just the most stable, um, effective, efficient team in the comp. Even with Brisbane Raw star power, Sydney looked like they were the ones to beat. Um, so by the end of the season, Melbourne victory had sort of stabilised. They started grinding out victories instead of playing stellar football. But they still looked like they could win dirty if they had to. They could win with thrashings if they had the opportunity. And for me, it looked like they were they. If they got the opportunity, they could probably probably nick a trophy at the end of the year, at the end of the season. But I don't think at any point they would have been dead set favourites to win it. And Chris, obviously, you said you were at the match. Um, for how long has yeah. the W League been having fans attend games? Because obviously, over here we're still locked out. 
Uh, right from the beginning, actually. So we've been pretty lucky. Um, I mean, the Australian approach to um, COVID has been uh, extremely conservative um, and, you know, we really haven't let anyone in at the borders um, since it started. Everyone who comes in, uh, and it's pretty limited who can come in, has gone into quarantine. Um, so there hasn't been that much community transmission. Uh, we did a lockdown, you know, early in the piece, but, um, you know, that was like March, April where last year when, you know, people couldn't go out. The thing is it's been a scale thing. So there was, I don't know, maybe two weeks or three or four weeks or something where you really weren't allowed out at all and nobody could work and all this sort of stuff. And then it's, uh, they, they've lifted restrictions and then as, you know, it sort of dwindled away. Um, it's either got ramped up, ramped up or down, basically. So Mel Melbourne, actually Victoria and Kieran probably talked to this better. They they had a big outbreak, and so it's been very state based as well. So we haven't been able to travel between states. Um, but with the football, I think in most states we've. Uh, been able to attend right from the beginning. Um, haven't been able to interact with the players until the last couple of months. So it's been um, well, the last month really. Um, so there's been like no autographs or you know saying hello to the players and things. But that got lifted about four weeks ago, I think, four or five weeks ago. Um, but it's been pretty good. We've been able to attend the matches. So, um, but saying that, it did impact. Um, like like I said, it's been very state based. So Perth weren't able to play at all um, for a while because that border was shut. Um, and when Melbourne was um, having problems, it meant the travel there was impacted. So people were kind of playing within the state. So Sydney, the Wanderers and Newcastle and Canberra were all playing together at the beginning of the season when there were still some restrictions. Um, but then towards the end, you know, it, it meant that everyone could play, but it put Perth Glory in a very difficult situation where they had to play a lot of catch-up games um, and had missed, you know, their first four or five games, I think, and then had to catch up all those games. Um, yeah, it became very tricky. But, you know, saying that the whole way through there has been um, audiences, which has been fantastic. So, And has there been anything that was expected of yourself at a game, such as wearing a mask, uh, washing your hands, keeping a distance? Uh, we've got a check-in procedure, so um, all the matches you have to scan a code and that checks you in and you check in and check out so you know who's who's there. Um, they've, there was only one game actually I couldn't go to and that was a Wanderers game that had limited crowds because it was at their training ground and it's not a very big ground and there's not a lot of room there and there's only one um, stand. So they had, I think they only let in a couple of hundred people and I didn't get tickets for that, didn't get moved quick enough. But... Um, the other ones have been at their normal ground. So, you know, the crowds are usually around a 1,000 people and those grounds would normally take anywhere between five and, well, it's something like Leichhardt, maybe 20,000 people, I think. So there's always been pl plenty of room and I think everyone's been pretty sensible, so they, they just sit a couple of seats apart. Um, I think at the beginning, I can't remember if we had to wear masks, but because it's outdoors... They haven't been so worried about that, really. Um, so it's, I mean, you know, you're supposed to wash your hands and not sit, be too close and keep distance and stuff. Um, but it's been pretty standard, really, just lower crowds, I suppose, to a certain degree, but there's always been plenty of room there. 
Sounds really positive. Um, I know that we're all itching to get to games and um, yeah. really, really excited. I've um, I've got managed to get accreditation for tomorrow's game uh, between the Lionesses and Canada, and I'm uh, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely buzzing about it. To be honest, it's be, be the cool. yeah be the biggest game of football I've seen in a long, long time. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, Kieran, obviously being a Melbourne, do you live in Melbourne yourself? Yeah, I live in Melbourne. Yeah. So, did you do? You, have you been seeing much of Melbourne? Do you, do you, season ticket holders, you go when you can. Uh, I'm a season. I'm a, a member. A paid up member. But um, like we were saying before about the the fixture, um, uh, with other commitments, it's not always easy to get to games. So I met, I was intending to go to every game this season, but instead I had to settle for watching every game um, on um, on TV, which we're lucky that it's easy to do as well. There's a, um, there's a couple of ways to watch it. So. Um, I didn't get to go to any games, but I watched every match, every minute of every match. And Ben, um, you're, you're you're sat there in your Perth Glory shirt. You must be itching to get over to Australia uh, and see them in the flesh. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the longest time that I've been away from Australia in 21 years, actually. This since COVID, and obviously this year is not going to happen because the you know there's a British person they're not allowed into Australia. So hopefully that will change next august so i can get out during the school summer holidays here and if not of course the following year it's world cup, women's world cup in australia new zealand actually final stages fall rather nicely at the beginning of the school summer holidays so that's that's the aim that's the dream yeah yeah so you're squirreling away the money in your piggy bank ready to uh take yourself over it'd be, it'd be fantastic if i can win the lottery i um i'll join you and i'll um i'll upgrade us to business <laughs> nice one, yeah <laughs> And so one thing I just I, I'm interested in, Ben. Um, as far as I'm aware, Brisbane Raw were the sort of the big favourites at the beginning of the season. Can you tell me a little bit about how their season went and how they didn't end up in the grand final? Well, I mean, they were the big favourites probably before the season started because of the very few um, top Matildas players that were left in Australia. The vast majority of them were at Brisbane Raw. Um, so everyone kind of, well, not everybody, but they were kind of picked out at the start of the season as potential champions. And then they drew their first four games on the bounce, um, which is weird in itself. But but in those four games, they created a heck of a lot of chances, but nothing really was going in um, for them. And then after you know, the fifth game, they picked up a win and they were kind of ticking over nicely, um, scoring quite a lot of goals. Emily Gilnick was just smashing it for them absolutely fantastic um you know the, the firm defense claire parkinghorn is always you know she's the defender that you'd want in any team really um but then of course it all unraveled slightly because of the timing of the w league this year it fell at the same time towards the end of the season as the transfer window was closing in scandinavia um and because the scandinavian women's leagues would allow Australian players to play in Scandinavia during the summer and the season would be finished in theory in time to go back to play in next season's W League. So two of their top players, Claire Polkinghorn and Emily Gilnick, were picked up by a Swedish team and they left at the end of the regular season. So Brisbane went into the finals, um, they played their semi without those two players and the wheels kind of came off. And what about your own team, um, Perth? How is is their season? Because it was um, what I'm led to believe, and what from what we've discussed before, it was a very much changed team from the one that played the previous season. It was for all sorts of reasons. Um, 
you know, last year for them was very transitional anyway because um, obviously they lost Sam Kerr. Sam, you know, Sam Kerr's a local girl. She grew up in Fremantle to Perth Glory, a local side, although she's played for a few other clubs um, in Australia. So last year was a transitional one for them anyway. But then um, Western Australia's had very sort of hardcore border closures. It was pretty, the state border was closed pretty much the whole of last year. So literally no one was allowed in or out of Western Australia. Um, to give you some idea, Western Australia effectively is more, it's pretty similar in size to mainland Europe as a state in terms of geography. So there we had the situation, um, bearing in mind the W League season starts at the end of December, we're in November and the head coach resigns. At this point, there's no players really contracted to the club. Um, w League contracts basically run one season at a time as well, which is why there's an awful lot of turnover of players. Um, there was also, because of the state borders, there was big um, debate as to whether or not Perth could even take part in the competition because they weren't allowed in or out of Perth, um, sorry, in or out of Western Australia. Um, I spoke to Alex Apakis last week, who's the head coach, and he was saying that there was talk that the club would have to play the whole season in, in Sydney which was never going to work because obviously the players can't relocate for four months from WA across to Sydney, which is a six hour flight. Um, when, you know, most of them would work and an awful lot of the Perth team ended up being at school or college as well. So yeah. Alex Apakis comes in from Sydney in December, the start of December, the season starts at the end of December. He has to go into quarantine for a couple of weeks. At this point, he's got 13 players on the roster, none of which he brought in himself. Um, so effectively, Perth went with an incredibly young, homegrown team. Um, he told me last week that he had to fill the last five places in the squad um, via Zoom. When he was in quarantine, he hadn't met any of his players at all, only by Zoom. So he took his first training session, he told me, seven days before the start of the season. And wow. we fielded a team, basically, we had two 16-year-olds, um, one of whom is certainly still at school, um, a 17-year-old uh, who is pretty much going to be a very big name in Australian football, Hannah Lowry, I think. Um, you know, you throw in a couple of other players as well that are 18, 19, and that was the core of our team for this season. Um, brought in a very good goalkeeper from New Zealand, um, Lily Alfeld, who I thought was absolutely outstanding in very difficult circumstances. But, you know, having watched all of our 12 games, uh, we got one draw, we lost the others. Um, but do you know what? I was so proud of those kids because they never gave up. They gave everything in all of those games. Um and on top of it all, their top goal scorer, who we hope to be the top goal scorer, English person by the name of Gemma Crane, who's been in WA for quite a while. She got injured in the second game of the season and didn't play again. So we didn't really have a striker either. Um, so, but despite that, you know, those kids, the 16, 17, 18 year olds, I thought were absolutely outstanding. And if we can keep those players together, I think Perth Glory are going to be, you know, they're going to be back at the better end of the table in a few years' time. But that's a big if, if we can keep them. So you, you touched on earlier that 
all contracts are just for a one year. Well, not not even one year. It's, it's for the, the as far as I'm aware, I mean, Kieran or Chris, please get the there's a few exceptions. I think um, Melbourne Victory signed their centre forward Molina Ayres for a three-year deal, but that made news because it's it's a massive exception to the rule. A lot of players, it's expected they'll they'll come back to the same club. Like Brisbane's players tend to go back to the same team each year. So even though they're not contracted, they seem to have some sort of agreement to keep, to keep showing up for the same club. But contracts that go beyond the thirteen weeks or fourteen weeks are pretty oh, wow. rare. Wow! And and is the W League um, fully professional? I oh, wow! It's so it's, it's it's almost a little bit Ben. You it's almost a little bit like if you that you were to put the WSL and Championship together. Then so you've yes. got teams that are amateur. Well, I wouldn't say wow. I wouldn't necessarily say amateur. I think all you know, more semi pro. I mean, all of the, all of the clubs apart from Canberra United's are connected to an A-League men's professional club. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, Kieran and Chris will probably talk more on this than me. There are players that I think football would be their more full-time profession. But, you know, I would you look at um, Theresa Plus, as we said before, at Sydney, she's a teacher, you know, and she's, you know, away games in Australia aren't, aren't like they are in here, in England. You know, it's not like a couple of hours on the coach or the train. It's, it's a couple of hours on an aeroplane you know, in a different time zone. Okay, so I mean, one of the big things this year in the, in the W League with the Matildas missing has been the breakthrough of some incredibly talented young players. Um, I guess one of the headline names would be Kyra Cooney-Cross. Um, Kieran, I know you're a massive fan. She's done great things in Melbourne this year. Tell us about her. So a few years ago when she burst on the scene, she was 15 and um, I think most Victory fans or W League fans would have remembered that the first time they noticed her where she took on our best, the Matilda's best defender, Alana Kennedy, at halfway and just burned past her. She didn't score, but the run itself was just enough to, to tell everyone this was someone to watch. But she struggled to get into the Melbourne team for a couple of years. And um, there was one game where she was subbed on late in the game and then subbed off in the same match because of a, a red card to another player. And I remember thinking at that time, oh, she might be off here to go to another club. And the next season she signed to, to Western Sydney where she absolutely flourished with regular game time. But she still wasn't quite the player she is this season. This season she stepped up into becoming something completely different. She's actually been the main um, source of midfield creativity for the whole side. She's taken charge of the team. Um, she had a lot of support. She had a lot of good players behind her and in front of her. But she has been the one to, to try and basically knit the whole team together. Um, this season, which is remarkable for a 19-year-old. And then when it counted in the last last moment of the grand final, she, she stepped up and delivered. Um, for me, for an English reference, it felt a lot like David Beckham's free kick against Greece. Absolutely. Like, that's, that's, that's what it felt like because she was trying the whole game. She was, she was running her guts out, trying everything possible to get, get a goal, missing, uh, hitting the post. Uh, somehow the, the Jada Wyman saved it at the, at the near post from a point-blank range header. Um, she was doing everything possible to try and win this game. And for it to happen the way it did was just, uh, it speaks to her confidence and uh, her, her readiness to step up and take that next next step to the next level for herself and for, for hopefully yeah. the Matildas so at Chris, some point. you would have seen her at Western Sydney last year, yeah? Yeah, well, I was just going to say something on Kyra there. She also got the um, last goal in the last game against Sydney. 
um, in, in again, mm. the last five minutes of the game, or not even, maybe the last two minutes. It was absolute cracker. Um, Worldy from, you know, top bins from miles away. It was fantastic goal. She's a, she's a genuine talent, that girl. So Yeah, she's able to do pretty much what she wants when she's got the ball, mm. which is um, – that's that, that the rare thing. She, like the goal she scored in the in the against Sydney in the last game was off her left foot from long range. And this one was off her right foot from a corner. She she can she's pretty much untouchable when she when she wants to be. But um, yeah, I really hope that she that she continues to develop. I think everyone does. So Chris, from a Sydney or Western Sydney Wanderers perspective, I know um, I, mean, I guess from at Sydney at the moment the, the headline grabber has been Claire Wheeler, although she's not necessarily as young as some of the others we've talked about. Mm. Um, obviously, I know you've seen Western Sydney Wanderers a lot this year as well, and there's been a, a couple of young guns coming out down there as well, hasn't there? Yep. So, yeah, Sarah Hunter, I, I guess, is sort of one of the main ones. Um, she's, um, I think she's only, I think she's 17. Is she 17 or 18? I'm not sure. Um, she's definitely still at school. She was um, doing a HSC, I think, and... Um, uh, I know, like it was one of the very early games. Maybe not the first game, but maybe the second game. Um, and she got two goals um, in the game, and became a bit of a you know superstar overnight, really. Um, and it was funny because you know she's she's so young, she's at school, but there was a big thing about you know obviously her scoring the goals and you know becoming a a star of the the W League. But the next game, it seemed like a whole school was was at the match. <laughs> And um, it's like every time she got the ball, there was like all these excited screams from um, all of her friends in the in the uh, audience. It was really funny because it was so noticeable and it was really young girl screaming um, the whole way through every time she got the ball. Um, but it was great to see. I can certainly hear it on the TV over here in England as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you should have heard it in the <laughs> on, at the game. It was very loud, very excited. <laughs> so, but. Um, I mean, she did very well. She was, yeah, quite strong. I think, you know, she was pretty lucky. I mean, there was a lot of skill, obviously. She, you know, she got those goals early on. She didn't score again, I don't think, in the season. Um, but she certainly, you know, contributed and um, was playing some exciting football uh, for the rest of the season. Um, and unfortunately, like, the Wanderers seemed to um, build towards the end of the season. They had a couple of really good games towards the end. Um, they had a, a couple of great Games or game, great game mm. against uh, Melbourne City actually. Um, that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, there was one key game. I think was it against Adelaide that they lost, which um, then meant they were out of finals contention, and uh, because they'd lost the earlier games. But they really seemed to gel towards the end of uh, the season. Unfortunately, um, the year before they were kind of had a lot of imports. Uh, they'd got uh, uh, three players from the North Carolina Courage. So they did very well the year before, um, but with no imports this year, again, it was a, a homegrown um, sort of team. And um, they had a couple of uh, people come back into it, um, in particular Georgia Yeomandale, um, who made a big difference in the team. But, um, but again, you know, there's a lot of younger uh, local people coming through in that team that was uh, really good to see the as well. Western Sydney so. ones as well. I've got a very, very good academy system down there, though, haven't they? Very, very good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to develop local talent. Um, they do a lot of clinics and things like that with really young kids. And um, so, yeah, they're trying to bring people up through the ranks uh, with their, their younger club system there. So 
Yeah, I guess as well, if we looked a bit further field, um, you know, Brisbane Moor, you've got the likes of Jamila Rankin um, and Renaud Heatley. Um, any other players that have caught the eye, youngsters from you two, Kieran and Chris? Uh, I guess one player actually has really impressed me um, a lot is um, Courtney Vine. Um, unfortunately, she went out with a season-ending injury. But um, for Sydney, I mean, maybe uh, she was playing uh, – she played for Wanderers last year. Um, but she's – I'm not sure exactly how old she is. She's maybe early 20s, I think, maybe rather than a teenager. But, um, my God, she, she's been absolutely cracking. And, in fact, since since her injury – um, I think the Sydney attack has um, been lacking somewhat and it's made quite a difference. I think if she was playing in the grand final yesterday, uh, it might have swung the other way. Um, so mm. it, it was a bit of a shame to see her go and, and I don't think they've been able to really replace her uh, with someone of her quality. And I, I actually thought uh, she was definitely a shoe-in for the Matildas the way she was playing, but um, I don't know that she'll be ready in time for... Um, Olympics now with the injury she's got, unfortunately. So, I thought um, Jamila Rankin was a huge, um, a huge player for Brisbane this mm. season. So it's hard playing fullback. It's not not an not an easy position to play. I mean, you only have to cover one area of the pitch, but you have to do it for the whole ninety minutes up and back. Mm. And for a seventeen, she's seventeen, seventeen year old to do that for the whole season was, was and the way she did it was very impressive. There was her and there was um. Uh, Charlotte Grant from mm. from Adelaide. That were both mm. both teenagers and both playing fullback, and both you know definite starters with no questions asked about about their ability in the in the season. And also, I think Letitia McKenna did quite mm. well for Brisbane this season. Um, their midfield had a hold of fill when when Katrina Gorry um, had to stop playing midway through the season, and um, I think she did quite well um, without without like hitting the scoreboard. In the same way that Gori does, she, I think she needed the midfield together. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we touched earlier about the, the kids at Perth. I mean, I, you know, Hannah Lowry has been an impressive player for quite a few years, even though she's only seventeen. Um, I think um, Deb Randella Hart did a pretty decent job in tough circumstances um, at the back, and particularly coming forward from the back as well. She, you know, she delivered some quite good balls in. And I, you know, Tiara McKenna, she's she's sixteen. She's still at school, you know, first season. I think there were signs, particularly against um, Melbourne City at the end of the season. The first half, I thought she was absolutely incredible for a 16-year-old in, in the team, in the circumstances that we've got. Um, I guess we look looking at Adelaide United, you know, they had their best season they've ever had. You should probably, you could argue, probably should have made the finals, I guess. They missed out in a, you know, pretty heartbreaking way. They got, you know, they broke the record for the biggest standalone crowd for a game um, in, this, in the league this season, just over 5,000. Uh, yeah, I mean, and again, talking to uh, Ivan Karlovich there about a month ago, you know, he, he is the only um, head of women's football at any W League club, as far as I'm aware. No other W League club has a head or club within Australia has a specific head of women's football. Um, you know, and they've got a pro- long-term program that they're starting there now that involves a lot of um, the NPL coaches going into Adelaide United during the W League season, spending a lot of time in there. Um, and during the close season in the W League, apparently they're saying that um, 
Adrian Stenter and Karlovic are going to be going around the NPL clubs in South Australia pretty much on a you know weekly basis to check in with players and to develop the coaches further. So this sounds like there's a lot of good things happening in South Australia as well at the moment. Yeah, Adelaide have a very firm commitment um, to treating the men's and the women's team exactly equal in terms of the way they market them and um, uh, treat them um, with coaching and investment. Uh, it sort of mirrors what Lyon have done in France um, in that way, and I think that's a good model to follow. So, I mean, I guess the next two, three years is probably arguably the biggest two or three years, um, certainly internationally for Australians women football ever. You know, we've got the Olympic Games coming up this summer. We've then got the Asian Women's Cup next year. And then small matter of the Home World Cup coming up after that, when you could argue that the Matildas players that have been there for a while could essentially be hitting their peak. Plus, you, know, you throw in some of the youngsters we've talked about, it could be quite an exciting time and I would expect there to be crowds in the grounds out there of a, of a level that maybe you haven't seen at Women's World Cup before but before we talk about the World Cup let's come back to where we are now this year with the Olympics. Now obviously the Olympics has a bit of a caveat in terms of the squads are very very small in terms of numbers of players that are um, eligible to be picked um, so are we likely to see any of the youngsters that we've talked about coming, do you think? Or, and is there maybe an argument for bringing back the legends that is Michel Hyman? It's a good question. I think Michelle was um, firing this season, absolutely firing. Um, you know, there's a few, there's a lot of people in Australia, I think, that um, were probably capable of going to the Olympics. But uh, look, with COVID and with the, the training situation, it's just going to be really, it's really difficult to understand how it's going to happen. Um, I know uh, they've got people here looking at the players, but I mean, you know, theoretically they're free now. They could travel to Europe and um, stay there to train, um, providing they're not, they haven't got jobs or something. But I, I just logistically, uh, how they're going to manage to get the team together with the Australians that are in currently in Australia um, is going to be very challenging more than anything, I think, but there's certainly like, there's been, there's been plenty of people that have been um, outstanding in the W league that certainly look like they could, they could step up. Um, and particularly given, uh, I guess the squad that was chosen to play Germany, it'll be playing tomorrow um, against the Netherlands. I mean, what, what they've done is just take everyone, maybe with the, um, well, they've basically taken everyone that was available in um, mm. in Europe. So there, there's players there that probably wouldn't have got chosen or wouldn't normally yeah, be picked for, for the Matildas that were in that squad um, this week. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. COVID's just really thrown such a spanner in the works for preparation and for selection. Um, I just am wondering. I think everyone's asking questions about, the players that are in Australia, even people like, like Tamika uh, Yallop that is here that, she, you know, is a regular in the Matildas, but because she's in Australia, um, is she even going to make that squad? I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen logistically. I think um, I think um, with Michelle Heyman, uh, her form's been spectacular and she can do things that no one else can do with the ball. So if there's an opening among the front four, say Kerr, Ford, 
Razo or Gilnick, if one of those aren't available, then I think she should be the first one in. If COVID's not a factor, just say uh, it's not not to be considered. Um, but I think if everyone's fit, it's hard because she she plays centre forward uh, and she does it almost better than anyone. But that's what she does. She doesn't um, drift drift wide, play on the flank like the other four can. Um, so with the smaller squad, if it was a World Cup, I'd say definitely take her. But because it's a smaller squad, I think um, having players that can play multiple roles is super important. If there were players to go over from the W League, I'd like to see um, some of the fullbacks go, mostly because that's where we looked really vulnerable against Germany. So there's Angie Beard was great for the whole W League season. Uh, there's Ali Green for Sydney. Jamila Yank- uh, Rankin, who we've mentioned earlier. And Charlotte Grant, who has just gone to Europe as well. Um, I think uh, fullbacks where we need some depth because... Ellie Carpenter is probably one of our best players, but when she's not there, it definitely shows no matter how hard everyone works to cover for her. So what is, um, obviously, Jada Wyman is someone that we heard a lot about over the course of the season and especially um, earned a lot of plaudits for her performance in the grand final. What's her current um, position within the Matildas? Has she been picked up in any of the squads? Uh, She's gone to... um, uh, a couple of senior squads and senior training camps, but not for a couple of years now. I think 2018, when they played England and France close together, she played. Um, she went to the training camp, sorry, but she didn't get any game time. But she has played a lot of youth um, youth team football for the national side. Can, so I think she's also had some pretty bad injuries recently as well, hasn't she, in recent years too? So can we could we see her making that squad? The Olympics is probably unlikely because it's such a small squad, isn't it? And you've got. You've yeah. got um, Lydia Williams and Mackenzie Arnold who kind of, I guess, would probably because they're based in Europe as well. Yeah, I mean, Tegan Micah is um, kind of the third keeper, but she hasn't really had an outstanding season this year. Certainly, um, Jada has been in much better form, I think. Um, but, yeah, with the size of the squad, whether they take another goalkeeper. I mean, saying that, um, you know, Mackenzie Arnold's not, 100% fit at the moment either. She's still sort of um, under an injury cloud, isn't she? And even even Lydia has mm. had a few issues uh, in that respect, although she's back playing now. But, um, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the situation with the goalkeepers myself. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, if Jada did come back in, she's an incredible story for all sorts of reasons in terms of her background and how she ma- how she's made it. You know, she's a pretty – she's a really inspirational young lady for all sorts of reasons you know and, and if anyone deserves to get a crack personally it's her but then again I've always had a bit of a soft spot for her in terms of what that story is. You've obviously got the Women's World Cup coming up in 2023 where Australia is hosting is there much excitement about that already Chris or is it too far and too far ahead? Yeah no there's a lot of excitement about that um, when the announcement was made um Certainly, I, for one, was up at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, waiting to find out um, if we'd won it or not. So um, it's it's a joint bid with um, New Zealand, of course. So it actually started out where Sydney was doing the bidding and then they got a couple more cities uh, on board um, because they need, you know, it's a large, it's going to the 30, 32 teams uh, for the 2023 World Cup. So it's an expanded draw. Um, so they needed... Uh, more facilities and and more grounds and things. Um, So they went around the various cities and states in Australia to see who was interested and um, various um, states put in bids. Uh, And then right, 
you know, it must have only been like three weeks or four weeks before um, the announcement made. They they announced that it was joint bid with New Zealand, so that sort of opened it up. So not only is it um, two different countries, but it's two confederations because New Zealand's in a different confederation to Australia. So it's the first time that will happen. Um, so when the bid was made, obviously there's a lot of uh, Kiwis playing in Australia. Um, you know, I think everyone's seen the video with. Um, Alana Kennedy and Stoddy and um, Steph Catley all jumping up and down, uh, you know, when the announcement was made, which was fantastic. And then uh, just last week, I think it was, they've announced the um, uh, the stadiums that will be used. So there's basically sort of one stadium uh, in each city that is involved, um, except in Sydney where... Um, we're actually building a new football stadium at the moment, so it's currently under construction. There was one before. They've knocked it down. They're rebuilding it. So that's where the bulk of the matches will be. But the uh, final will be at the Olympic Stadium at Homebush, um, which is where um, the opening ceremony and closing ceremony, all the athletics and a lot of the things um, were run for the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So that's quite a big stadium. I think it holds uh, 90,000 people. So um, it'll be a big crowd uh, for the final. But um, certainly, you know, people are talking about it. People are excited. It's it's on people's minds. Maybe not in the general public, but certainly in the football community, um, people are well aware of it. And um, it is getting a fair bit of news um, as as bits of you know news like the stadium announcements um, happen. It is uh, hitting the news here, so it is excited. This yeah. Which one of you are going to be putting Ben up for a month? As <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, there's there's games in every state. There's games in every state, so there's there'll be a bit of travelling around. So um, yeah, might have to install a few bunks, I think, for people coming. So. I'm mindful. It's like we're, we're hitting uh, sort of five thirty, six a.m. over your way. So uh, I don't want to keep you up up too late or up too early. I don't know which is the more appropriate. But this is my normal wake up time. <laughs> As I say, I've got a one-year-old, so my 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 body clock's all over the place. Um, I'm working with working night shifts the other day. Um, I for me it feels like it's about three p.m. in the afternoon. Um, everyone, but yeah, everyone else is in bed. So, uh, but I'll be entertaining myself for a couple of hours, uh, and I'll probably, but based on everything you've been talking about, I'll probably be sat in front of the computer researching and um, kicking myself for uh, not getting into the W League a little bit sooner. But maybe I'll um. I'll blame my one-year-old for distracting me on that one, and uh, it's something that I can kind of really kind of get into uh, as of next year. Um, but just before I let you go, um, so obviously we've got a Melbourne Victory fan, Sydney FC fan, and a Perth Glory fan. You've got—I don't have a team that I follow there yet. So you've got ten seconds each to sell your club to me. First of all, Ben, go ten seconds. Okay. Well, we're up, up and coming. WA-based team, youngsters, we started at the bottom, new, new plan coming through, you know, follow us on the start. Cool. Chris? Uh, well, I know Sydney, like, it's the Emerald City, it's the most exciting uh, city in Australia, and <laughs> Kieran will no doubt debate me on that, <laughs> but uh, the girls are... Um, been together for a while. They're a good solid core of teams. It should be a very similar team next year. So you're going to know what you're getting, and uh, the only way is up. So, Kieran, uh, Melbourne Victory. We're in contention every year, if not successful every year. We have a shot most seasons, and we have Lisa Devana. And if your listeners haven't heard of her, they should look her up on YouTube because what she can do with the ball is pretty much incomparable in Australian football. 
Okay, well, based on that, Perth playing a purple kit, I look terrible in purple, and being ginger-haired and also being orange, I'm told that I should never wear orange, so I'm sadly going to rule out Perth, Ben. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, as a Manchester United fan, as a kid, and still to this day, sky blue still brings me out in a rash. So um, I guess it looks like it's the, it's the victory for me. Welcome aboard. Good luck, Ben. <laughs> Kieran, your wish I didn't say that, to be honest. Um, I'll, I'll be your jinx. But um, in all seriousness, thank you very much for taking your time to do this. Um, I've taken a lot out of this, and um, I, I genuinely will be sat down doing research and uh, look, seeing what I can find on YouTube to catch up and um, very much looking forward to the upcoming season. And um, maybe all going well, we could potentially uh, all get together again um, in the build-up to the Olympics. And uh, it'd be great to hear... We can, we can talk about a squad that's actually cool. been selected and have much yeah. less hypotheticals. Yeah. Mm. yeah, we'll all be interested to find out what happens then. Yeah. So we, we can't talk the, about uh, Team GB because we haven't got a clue who's uh, been selected. But I believe the yeah, that's uh, an interesting one. Yeah, too. I believe the squad is announced this month. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be, yeah. uh, it'll be good fun. But um, again, thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ben. Um, before okay. we let you go. Um, if anyone wants to follow you guys on social media, um, wh wh where can they do so, Kieran? Uh, I am under the very strange Twitter handle of at K under slash Yeezy. Uh, I thought I'd steal it from Kanye West and see if he'd pay it for, pay me for it. But <laughs> hasn't, hasn't come <laughs> off yet. <laughs> um, time will tell if that's been successful or not. But yeah, K under slash Yeezy, Y double -E, e Z Y. Thank you. And uh, Chris? Uh, okay, best on Instagram. I uh, take a lot of photos, and so I post uh, quite a lot of W Lee photos uh, on Instagram. And my handle is backabe, which is B A double C H A E B A B E. Um, and yeah, that's through Instagram. I'm also on Twitter under that, um, but I don't do much on Twitter. So. And Ben? Yep, so on Twitter, I'm at Ben Gilby1, G I L B Y. Um, and the website that we all have contributed to is at Impetus Football, which is both on Twitter and um, Instagram. And between us, we managed to report on every single game in the W League this season. So massive hats off to Kieran and, and Chris for all of their work and their photos. And I guess also to the, the fourth member of the team who's not here with us tonight, Tom McCarthy out in Perth, who's done some amazing photography for the site out in Western Australia as well. So, yeah, UT, thank you so much because the opportunities that, that the site has got as a result of your work as well, it's just been phenomenal. No worries. Looking forward to next season. Brilliant. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's a pleasure. Good fun. Cool. Thank you very much. You guys take care, stay safe, and um, look forward to speaking to you soon. Enjoy the game next week. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks, take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you. See ya.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.